Hi, I'm Jane Stahl, retired high school English teacher and director of community relations at Studio B Fine Art Gallery in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. And this is the Be Inspired podcast. My guest and I hope that in the few minutes you spend with us, you'll be surprised and delighted to meet someone new, become aware of projects going on in your neighborhood, and maybe entertain a new way to look at the world. Look, we all need to keep our spirits up in these challenging times, and I can't think of a better way to lift up our spirits than to meet interesting, passionate folks and learn about what they're doing to make life better for all of us. And so, join me now for the Be Inspired podcast. Hello, Be Inspired audience. I'm here today with Jim Meehan. Now, Jim, I have to tell you, is a regular award winner here as an artist here at Studio B, no matter what juror we call in. I can't, I bet you don't even know, Jim, how many awards you've won here at Studio B, or have you kept count? I I have them all, believe me, you know. (laughs) I keep meaning to get frames. I only got frames for about a third of them. So, uh, you know, and I just I forget to get the frames. But I, I, they're very important to me. And you've been with us, really, since the very beginning, as I remember. It's been quite a while. I was trying to figure out how long it was because I didn't come around right away. And then uh, uh, the Zanskis came yes. here. And okay. they And uh, they were showing here... And and uh, knock kind of you know they said well she's got her worldwide tour yes and, yes yes and uh, you know and that's how I got started and became familiar with the place very know. good yeah very good well your work is unique oh, good. okay and a lot of it I mean I want you to talk about your work of course yeah. but let's talk just a little bit about I mean when you were. When you were younger, I mean, did you know you would be an artist when you grew up? Well, I always wanted to be one. And my father was an artist. And uh, so, you know, it was, and, and it was like, you know, the thing I did, you know, I was, that was the thing I was good at. You not know? football, not basketball. No, no unfortunately. <laughs> and um, so it was, uh, you know, to me it would be a high, but they were always saying, well, no, you can't be can't be an artist even though dad was an artist he was always saying you know don't be an artist and why did do you think he said that well he's talking about uh, making a living you know mm-hmm. but he made a living so i don't know you know and it, the funny thing was it was kind of an ambition that he had to pursue from the time he was a young guy until uh he finally got a break and got a job at a newspaper called the brooklyn eagle which was okay. a, a well-known kind of historic newspaper. Okay. And uh, in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, Johnson Street, and um, and the Eagle was the like I don't know what be the equivalent of, but if you look at any kind of history of Brooklyn, and they're quoting something, it's always the Brooklyn Eagle. No kidding. Yeah. Is that where you grew up then? Yeah, yeah. We're uh, from Brooklyn. Dad was from Brooklyn. Mom was from Brooklyn. My my grandfather was from Ireland, and he uh, got a job at a place in uh, Brooklyn called the Crescent Club. He was okay. a waiter. Okay. And uh, they um, uh, had a club out. That would have been considered kind of like the 
outskirts of the city at that point. And he, they had this club that had like all sorts of uh, polo and stuff like that. It's where the high school is now. Okay. And there was no highway, so there was there was access to the to the uh, narrows. And okay. And there's a lot of at a boathouse, and a lot of boating went on there. You know, recreational stuff. Anyway, he worked there, and that's how uh, he ended up in Bay Ridge. That's the the uh, neighborhood. Okay. It's right. It's right where the Verrazano. Oh, okay. Lands on the Brooklyn side. That's Bay Ridge. Okay. And um, so, anyhow, uh, so everybody lived at Grandpa's house, and he got a house. And it was pretty good for a waiter. Yeah, and, really. Uh, yeah, and uh, he uh, he lived in the basement, and we kind of took over the whole house. And... <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Oh yeah. Now, was... <laughs> I'm curious about your father's work. Oh yeah. Now, if he worked for. Uh, uh, a news organization, is that right? Yeah, the Brooklyn Eagle. Okay. And, and uh, what kind of art did he do? Cartoons. Okay. He, he is, his, his goal was he wanted to be an editorial uh, cartoonist. Okay. You know? Yes. Like, uh, they, every, every paper had one. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of before the days of syndication, I guess. And uh, so each, you know, each would have a paid guy sitting there doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he finally got this job, this is after like 19 years of, of sort of peddling his wares around, and and there were a lot. See, there was a lot of little newspapers. Okay. Out there in Brooklyn, like you know the Standard and the Disser and the that, or you know. Yeah, yeah. And he he'd sell stuff to them. He worked for the Edison Company, and he would uh, he would uh, do uh, you know any of their in-house stuff. Okay. And he he you know make a little money on the side. He could sell a. You could sell a picture to one of these papers for like five bucks, you know. Then you, yeah. And then the Eagle uh, went out and bought these papers up. Okay. And put them out of business. Okay. And then they they uh, somehow I forget. I think somebody introduced him to the editor or something. And this would be like right after World War Two, and he had actually worked in the shipyards during World War Two, and uh, and then so he gets this this opportunity, and the and the editor says to him. Well, like the owner, I guess it was, not the editor. Yeah. Said, uh, well, what can you do for us? And, you know, I don't know what he said. But um, anyhow, they gave him this this uh, job where he was doing a, a cartoon that would appear on, you know, I don't know if it was the front page, but a section, uh, you know, a front page of a section called uh, The Brooklyn Angle. And, and you know, he was supposed to think of something every day. He said after a while, he was, like, ready to shoot himself because he, he couldn't think of anything. <laughs> He's like, I you know, after a day know. after day. It's like, I know. Well, did, were you – this is fascinating. And I, yeah. I really want to get to your work, but this yeah. is fascinating to me as well. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, do you – I mean, compared to today's cartoons – you know, uh, they they have um, a theme or a, a view or a, a, an intent. Do you rec- Did you recognize the intent of your father's work? Was it political in any kind of way, or oh, yeah. interest if it was a, if in a, any a, kind of way? If it was a political cartoon, it would be like about Joe Stalin or something like that, or okay. the, the rising price of of okay. uh, steaks, and okay. you know, it would be very very specific, very fifties looking. You know, JQ Public and his barrel and all that stuff. <laughs> And uh, he uh, and and they, you know the the editorial content would be dictated by the owners of the paper, you know. Not of course, him. of course. And um, but I have a, a book of the stuff. See what happened is the Brooklyn Eagle went under in a strike, and then he was out of work, 
And so I have like his little portfolio that he was taking around to show to try to get work, you know. Right. And it's, it's very interesting because it really is a very much a slice of the time and place and what he thought How, was good, you know, yeah. what, this would get him work, that kind of a, you know, personal thing. Now let's talk about his influence on your work. Oh, well, actually I, I draw exactly like him, you know. Really? So, yeah. It's like, I'm kind of old-fashioned looking because yes. of that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but it's line, you know, line art, you know, you know, pen and ink. And uh, his stuff was always very printable, you know, in sense of, uh, you know, it's like very clean and open so that it would print well in a newspaper. Okay. And that, that's important. And um, the, anyhow, um, but he was always very... Um, down to earth about this stuff. It was a job, and I think it's because of his experience when he finally did get that job with the Eagle. Uh-huh. Uh, they were going to fire him because they said, you know, and he got a heads up from the art director, you know, they're going to fire you. You better learn how to do something they can use. That's how he learned how to retouch. No kidding. Yeah, and uh, and that kind of saved his job, and he became a uh, staff artist on the news. I'm uh, not the news. That he worked at the news after that. But uh, he became a staff artist doing retouching. And then I think he might get, he, he got to fill in one day a week on the editorial stuff for the, for the regular yeah. uh, editorial artist who was a man by the name of uh, Vincent Svoboda, who was an old time illustrator okay. who had kind of, you know, now in his later years is doing this thing at, at uh, the Eagle. And... Um, but he was like a real eager, dad was a real eager beaver. Svoboda was like, you know, <laughs> kind of like up to here, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But, you know, it was like he got, dad sort of got like a little bit of a cold bath there when the guy, the art director said, you know, you're just the icing on the cake around here. You know, we don't really need you. Kind of, that sort of thing. And I was like, whoa, you know. Right. And, uh, but the real, I think the real turning point was when the eagle went under in that strike. Yeah. And uh, the joke, uh, he said, that, um, you know, it was his, their union, you know, the guild mm-hmm. that was striking. And uh, the, uh, he said the joke on the picket line was, uh, they're only bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, right. He was saying, oh, they're only bluffing. And they're like taking the printing presses out of the building. Oh, they're only, oh, they're only bluffing. And the ball is hitting the building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so then man. he was out of work for like a year. Wow. Um, and, and I was and just a baby. Were you with that I was like B3. But my brother used to tell okay. me that they were like getting pretty worried, you know. Yeah. And um, so you followed in your father's footsteps in the media world? Well, I, you know, I, did you, did, uh, did, I, can't, I, went, to, I went to regular college. You I went guess, to regular college? Yes, because okay. they insisted that I go to regular it, college. And, and you said he bought botany and biology? <laughs> well, actually, I was a biology major. Were you really? Yes, and that was a disaster. <laughs> Tell me about it. Oh, God. It was like my brother, uh, who was a doctor, uh, had, he, he's like eight, he was eight years older than me. And he, uh, he graduated from medical school when I graduated from high school. And so uh, we're sitting in the backyard, and I'm saying to him, oh, gee, I don't know what, everybody I know has got a plan what they're going to do, and I don't know what I should do, and mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he said, well, why don't you be a doctor? Said, <laughs> oh, okay, I'll be okay. a doctor. I have a plan. And Because uh, you couldn't be an artist. You had to be, right. as Dad always said, you had to be a, a professional that drew 
for a hobby. Okay. That was what you're supposed to do, which, you know, it's harder to do than you think. And um, I guess it's what he thought he should do, you know, Dad. Because, you know, he had, he had only, he lost his parents when he was young, so he, he didn't go to college. So okay. he was always very kind of... Conscious about that. Yeah. Yep. And it's like you would never in a million years know that this guy didn't go to college. But, right. you know, right. he went My to art school at night. Yeah. yeah. Your, yeah. your yeah. father, too? My father, yeah, had to... His father died. He had yeah. to get a job to support the family and didn't finish high school. Oh, yeah. But he was the most well-read, right. amazing mind. Yeah. And I think probably when he was maybe 60-something... He got his GED. Oh, did he? And was so very proud of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it it follows, it, you know, that yeah. that hangs on you somehow. Right. So that yeah. as some kind of expectation or yeah, you know, what they think is a stigma when it doesn't really matter sometimes. Anyway. Yeah, and and I and he one time he said to me, he said, "Boy, I can't tell you how many times I wish I could write." Could have written that down on a you know a job application right. or something. Right. And it's like I say again, you could have, and nobody was going to know. So did you graduate with a with a degree in? Yeah, well, I had to. I I no. I uh, <laughs> I was a bio major, and then I then I practically got kicked out of school because of my grades were so bad. I was I was just a complete near do well idiot is the only way to describe no. it. Oh, totally, and uh, it really was sort of you know being very kind of uh, you know. And, you know, or just kind of giving up, and you know, and, right, right, right. And so I almost got kicked out of school, and um, got a warning, and uh, so I switched to. At that point, that would be like the middle of my sophomore year in college, mm -hmm. and so uh, you know, I had only a certain number of you know credits. Yeah. And I had a I had a, a state scholarship to pay my tuition. Okay. So that I had to do it in four years. You know. Yeah. I mean, but college was absurdly cheap in those days, right. like, you know. And um, so anyhow, I switched to psychology because that, that, was, that was a science major at my school. And, um, the, uh, and I had the biology credits, so I had like, uh, you know, a year's worth of credits with the, with right. the biology. So that counted. Yeah. And then I figured it out if I took two psychology courses a, a semester... <laughs> for, you know, the remainder of, of my four years. Well, now, it's really interesting that you should mention the psychology thing mm -hmm. because years ago, you had a whole series that you brought to the studio of different heads. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, there, name some so that my audience understands what I'm talking about. Oh, it would be like, jeez, uh, I know like, I'm I'm blank. Yeah, phone head. <laughs> uh, you know any anything can be any wallet head was one I did. Yeah. Um, now it, did that come from some kind of maybe even subconscious study of the human mind? Like some people were all about money, therefore a wallet head. Yeah. Talk I, about that. I, well, I don't. You know, it was just I, I started doing it. And I, I look at some like old stuff. That I did, I you know, I kind of, I got into this thing of, I wanted to be obscure, you know what I mean? Okay. And uh, a, a, a friend of mine gave me a book uh, by Magritte, and I think that's some closest to that in terms of like, as a surrealist, okay. you know, that, that he's uh, close, because you know, he's got his apple face, and he's got his back of the head face, and then right. he's, you know, etc. Right. He's a, 
an infinitely better painter than I am. <laughs> but um, and then he did other things. But that, I think that's kind of where I got the idea. There was there was a certain amount of surrealism in advertising and uh, in you know in you know picking up illustrators to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was when I first went out looking for work. So it was almost. I mean, surrealism is just so. I don't know the word out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it kind of fit the personality of your approach to... Well, like I say, I, I was interested in sort of being obscure, you know, because if you're obscure, that kind of makes you, like, cooler or whatever. Mysterious. Yeah. And I, I've never been a person who really wanted to, to paint pictures that were, like, nice pictures, <laughs> like if you know what I mean. pretty scenes and no, my, still lives. And yeah, and, and, and really... Only because I'm not really capable of doing it. That's one reason. <laughs> and then another reason is, I, like I say, I wanted to be kind of, you know... And as an illustrator, you know, you could do that kind of thing. It was, it was okay now. Now, I don't know, there, there's so little, you know, illustration that... Uh, That's right. Although I think it might be making a comeback. I would keep saying that. Very <laughs> good. Very good. Now, did you... For your career, where did you end up... Where did you end up going? Where, where did you end well, up after I, I told my parents that uh, that I was, uh, you know, finished my degree. They when I said that I was thinking about going to art school, they like fainted, practically. And uh, so I said, well, I'll fin they made me swear I'd finish this degree because they thought that if you had a, a four year degree yes. from college, that was that, was, that uh, you were like made right. in the shade. That right. was like totally that was right. your whole attitude. Right. And in a way, you were. Now it's it certainly has gone through some change. Anyway. Um, but I said, then I'm going to go to art school, f and you know, mm -hmm. and like I said, once again, it was so cheap, you know, I could yeah. just do my keep. I lived with them, so I could yeah. do my my little summer job and pay yeah. for the thing. And I yeah. and I actually had to get some. I got a loan for the tuition, but it was you know ridiculously Minimal. low, right. you know. And I went to art school, and that was a real kind of a revelation to me. First of all, I never really realized that there was this big schism between uh, fine art. And commercial art. Okay. See, I, I thought of an I thought an artist was somebody like my father. Right. And well, of course, he's not an artist. You know, he's a, there's all these levels of you know kind of levels of, of, of respect. Right. Exactly. And um, and I was always the draftsman type, so I gravitated mm -hmm. towards draftsmanship. And uh, at first, it was kind of hard because I never drew anything from life. I always drew out of my head. You know. No kidding. Yeah. And dad, to tell all cartoonists, that's what they do. You know, wow. if they have to reference something, maybe they'll reference it. But usually they just draw it out of their head, you know. Wow. And, um... As a non-artist, what you people do is just beyond my understanding. What? My head is empty in uh, that regard. Well, you <laughs> or know... full of words or something. Well, words are, you know... <laughs> the thing about it that's nice about a word is, like, a word doesn't stop, whereas a picture kind of stops. I mean, you show them the picture and it's like, oh, you know... <laughs> But the word, and that's in, subject to interpretation and on all levels. Like when you listen to a song, you know, you listen to the poetry right. of the song, you know, it just, it goes on forever and it's but individual to each your person. your work doesn't stop. I mean, let's talk about the piece that was awarded Best in Show just the other yeah. day. Yeah. It's, it's in, and I'm, there will be a photograph uh, not a photograph, uh, an image somehow that accompanies uh, the promotion of this particular podcast that you can look at. But tell our audience about that piece. Oh. Now, it didn't necessarily have to be done for this particular show, but this particular show 
is themed what inspires you. Yeah. So what's in there? Well, Albert, talk about the work. Albert Durer uh, was is one of my favorite artists. He's like one of the greatest draftsmen ever. And you know? his subject. His subject matter is you know the sort of uh, uh, Northern Renaissance sort of spirituality and uh, psychology. Actually, you know, he one of his famous pictures is actually, is actually melancholia, which is a, a depiction of being melancholy. Okay. And it's a very famous picture. And so the guy is like, you know, and then I gravitated more towards the uh, the religious aspects. I was just looking at one before I came here called uh, uh, Battle of the Angels. And it's like this, this really, you know, wild, complicated, uh, you know, convoluted sort of picture. But it, it's a print, so it's very clean and clear. You know, because this is like a mass-produced thing. You know? Right. So you have this combination of intense detail uh, and a complication of the of the subject matter overlapping and interacting and all the rest of it, and yet it's all very clear. You know. Right. And then it portrays some kind of a spiritual aspect of you know Christianity. Okay. And um, so I, I I mean I just love the guy. You know. And, yeah. Uh, and now your work in that vein. Talk about it. Well, I don't. I kind of always kind of hesitate. I mean, I often, you know, I went to 16 years of Catholic school, so it, it's a big part of my mind, and I and I always enjoy it, and I think of it as a as a you know a happy subject for me, or and also kind of unhappy in some ways. But but I don't have any problem with with uh, Christianity as a religion, you know, and but I think a lot of people do, so I tend to try to avoid, you know, including too much of that stuff in there. I'll, I'll throw it in, like, on a picture that I figure nobody's ever going to see, you know. But, okay. Uh, but um, I think there, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make that the issue kind of a thing. Because it's not an issue for me. You know, right. It's what just, I'm and here it is. Yeah. You're not making a statement about it. It's just, and yeah. here it is. And so you've pictured, drawn yeah. images of... Jesus and, you know, and crucifixes. Devil. I used to do a lot of, you know, in Catholic school, I did a lot of crucifixes. That was like <laughs> one of my favorite topics. It was like so I was kind of, uh, you know. But it's, of course, you'd be, you'd be, you know, doing this all day long. Plus, I love the, uh, the, the Catholic art that would be in our church. Okay. You know, and, our, you know, we had, a, we had just a standard sort of a, you know, early 20th century church. Maybe, maybe, maybe it might have been the end of the 19th century. But, but those churches, uh, there was a whole business of, of the kind of stained glass, statuary, all of that stuff was a going concern. And that's why when you go to a modern church, you know, the stained glass is horrible yeah. because there's nobody making it, you know? Yeah. And, but the stained glass windows in our church were really great. Yeah, I mean, I love those things. Yeah, and and then the Stations of the Cross. I mean, yeah. they were great. Yeah, and then I remember out in the in the. Uh, well, they told the stories. Yeah, with it, you know, and and that was really important in the early days of Christianity because people didn't read. They didn't oh, yeah. write. and so they had to tell the stories somehow. Right. Yes. Oh, when we went to Italy, I mean, I was blown away by those churches. Yeah. I was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> and and the the kind of the wild, uh, you know, kind of. 
what I would think of as almost like kind of extreme uh, color combinations. Went to one in Siena. The whole thing was was black and white stripes. It's like wow, what a place! Wow. You know? And then the, and then the, they had the, uh, the the mosaics in the in the floor were also black and white and 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 once again telling the story you know to the illiterate congregation. Right. And um, yeah, I love all that stuff. And anyway, so actually going to church was an influence. They had this, like say in the vestibule, they had this picture of um, uh, St. Michael slaying, slaying the, the devil, you know. And now it wasn't a picture, it was a statue. And it was, you know, life-size of, yeah. this, of, yeah. of, uh, of the, uh, the archangel, you know, driving the, the, the spear into the devil, which he's pinning under his foot. And I... I did a picture, you know, like a personal picture from an event in my life, and I included that in the picture, you know, uh, because it was a very sort of significant thing for for me as a child, you know, to see this thing and 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 be very impressed by it, you know, by the by the just the the, by the emotion behind it. The emo, but but the the craftsmanship, the drama of the thing, you know, was like uh, really great. Do you see your work then as storytelling? Oh, yeah, I like telling a story. And usually I'll like put it like, see, that's one of the things about being obscure. That's like, yes. I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, I, in other words, I want to leave like a little bit of doubt in the mind so I'm not like being didactic. Right. And, you know, telling, oh, here's the story. And it's like, you know, nobody wants that. Yeah. But if, you, no, if they can interpret it themselves, yeah. you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so fascinating, folks to see this gentleman's work and it is not something you walk away with totally getting it the first time yeah you got to come back and think about go ahead and i was going to say also too you know when i draw a picture i'm not usually i don't start off with i've got that i'm going to tell the story in this picture i don't do that once in a blue moon i might do something very specific but not usually well, I used to, uh, I always felt like one of my big problems as far as illustration goes is it was, I always thought it was a little boring, you know, <laughs> because you would do like, uh, you know, you do roughs and, you know, you establish this thing and everything is, you know, set in concrete now. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, they, they know what they're going to get. Yeah. There's no confusion. You don't, definitely don't want to walk in there with the wrong thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. And uh, so... I, uh, at, for my own entertainment and f- just for things that I would, you know, maybe, maybe put in a portfolio, I kind of gave up. That's basically what happened. I just gave up on going around. And, but um, the, uh, I would like, 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 you know, I used to do alternate, alternate side of the street parking with my car you know, okay. in New York. And I yeah. heard of that. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> you know, a vocation that you have. And I, because I was home, I could do that. So I moved our car back and forth. But you'd have to sit in the car for an hour, you know. So I always had my pad with me, and I draw a lot of these things in the car, you know, while I was sitting there, you know, waiting for the car to get legal, you know, before oh, I could leave. My gosh! And uh, and of course, I was the Mister Mom of our children, so uh, I always had my pad with me. And I was always wearing a little plastic bag with my pad, and, and when they, you know, when we settled, you know, when they start in the sandbox, or I could, you know, do a little drawing. And I didn't really do much uh, observational stuff. I mean, like really none. I, I did stuff like that in um, art school. Okay. I got into, you know, I kind of learned how to draw from life. And then I got into drawing from life. And then I wouldn't do anything but draw from life, uh-huh. you know. 
And, uh, and then I used to do stuff like on the subway and stuff like, you know, take a pad out and, you know, risking getting punched in the nose and drawing a picture of some guy sitting there. They weren't great or anything, you know. Right. But, um, but by the time I was, you know, at that point when I'm, you know, taking care of the kids and moving my car and all that, um, I would just draw from my head because it's just easier, you know, to draw from your head. And, you know, you, you can just of do what you want. So I would... <clears throat> Usually the way I did that to avoid, you know, kind of like, I have an idea, I'm going to illustrate an idea, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing. I'd <clears throat> put something in the middle of the picture and then kind of work out from there and come up with sort of a surrealist picture, which would go like edge to edge, you know. Yeah. And just sort of do something like that and do sort of like a, what I would desc- uh, describe as, <clears throat> I would describe as, Stream of consciousness, although I don't know if that's really, it's not like well, James Joyce, but you know. I understand. I mean, there's yeah. no real huge plan right. to this, start. Right. It's, it, it, it's like jazz. Yeah. And I think, too, that, you know, like in that sense, you can always kind of keep it interesting, you know, for yourself. And also, too, you don't really need to have a, like a long stretches of time, you know, right. where you're saying, and, you know, I don't have a very good attention span anyway, you know, so, <laughs> I, you know, to sit down and, like, paint for hours, I always hear people say, well, I went and I painted for hours. I said, really? I said, yeah. How did you do that? It's well, like, you know. How about today? I mean, are you watching TV and... Yeah, usually. Yeah. That's what we do. You know? uh, no, <laughs> I mean, the TV's on in my house, but oh, I'm yeah. doing all kinds of other things while it's yeah. kind of on. You too? Oh, yeah, I sit there and I draw. I'm on the computer, though. Yeah. You've got to... Yeah, well, I draw, I draw, I have a pad, usually, and, you know, I just draw what I feel like drawing. There's a certain amount, I usually have something in mind I want to do, and then I do, you know, I throw it down with the pencil, you know, but try to keep it light, you know, because you have to erase it all later, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and just kind of figure it out, and um, whatever the topic is, and it's, it's always something like, you know, like... A minotaur or, or a cyclops or you know something that nobody wants <laughs> and uh but i like doing stuff like that you know was, that's very satisfying How yeah do you, at, at, at what point do you know okay i'm done well usually uh i kind of peter out you okay. know and i like that's the hardest part for me i get to i'm like kind of a 90 percenter you know mm-hmm. and to really hang in there to the bitter end yeah. You know, because I, especially the kind enough. of stuff I do yeah. with, um, yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> I, it's the kind of stuff I do, which is, uh, I, I've, now I do this little technique where I, uh, I pencil it in, then I do a contour drawing with a, uh, a marker, you know, a razor tip marker, you know, yeah. and then do, you know, nice line work. And not so much nice, it's like it's great line work, but like, it's sort of, uh, all that once again, all out of the head. I'm not worried about you know proportions and everything. Although it's more or less in proportion. Yeah. And um, then I uh, so I do the outlines. Then I do uh, I put in the grid for the plaids. Okay. Not plaids, the checkerboards. Yeah. And uh, and then I proceed with a with a uh, ballpoint pen to color it in. You know, one color gray. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I'm like <laughs> modeling it up, and I just do that kind of illustrator modeling which yeah. is something I like to do I find that very satisfying right. and and it's odd but I remember I used to look at the 
at uh, you know paintings by like Holbein or some I mean book in books of course mm-hmm. uh, and they would o- often have like a uh, you know they had all the same things they were all kind of tapestries of wealth or what the person did for a living or whatever like in the foreground and the person in the background and maybe some not in the back in the middle ground then in the background some you know other things and all like fabulously well rendered you know mm-hmm. but I would look at these things and often notice that they in the they might have an oriental rug in, on the table. Yes. And that was apparently like a status symbol. It's like, you don't, don't walk on your oriental rug, whatever you do. And right. <laughs> so, and I'd look at them and i think, you know, man, that thing looks flat, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and then it kind of, I thought to myself, you know, if you, if you put up something that's like not, you know, I'd be so worried about getting it right, right. you know, and like right. in, in perspective right. and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. But if it's flat... I think you, you just sort of accept it, uh, you know, you the viewer, you know, just accept it as a, a pattern, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you look at all the, you know, the, the draperies and the, uh, you know, the costumes, which are, you know, so important for uh, any kind of, you know, painting for, of a prestigious person, which they all were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that stuff would just be, you know, a really important, essential part of the picture. Yeah. You know, to display wealth and power, right? And uh, we we went to uh, to uh, I forget what museum it was. Was it the British Museum or no? It was the I think it was the por- it was the portrait gallery, and they had the Holbein pictures there. Okay. And um, which I think Holbein is like just knocks your socks off that guy. You know he's like fantastic, and uh, his pictures are like. The people are so, they look like it literally step out of the picture, mm-hmm. like a photograph. Mm-hmm. And, and they contain so much personality and, you know, you can almost hear the, like the person's going to say something. And this is like a 500-year-old painting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the guy was like a fantastic draftsman and painter. Um, but the, uh, at the, at the, and they had all the, you know, the famous paintings you've, that you've seen, you know, in mm-hmm. books. And then they had a uh, cartoon that, uh, that had been rejected, I guess, or they, never, they did another one for some reason, I don't know why, of like the whole court. It was huge. And, uh, and it was just the contour stuff in black and white, you know, which would be then filled in. Yeah. It was the tightest, neatest, the, just the greatest thing you know, he says, like, that's good enough. That's what I'd say, you know. <laughs> Stop. Don't mess it up. Well, you have done some full, you have done some huge pieces. Yeah. Here at Studio B. That you've exhibited here at Studio B, yeah. rather. Some inspired by that, perhaps. Well, you know, I, another, uh, I, I used to walk down, we lived on uh, 65th and 1st in Manhattan, and I used to, I, where the hell was I going? I think I was going to the Daily News or something. And I used to walk past this, this uh, uh, dry cleaners. Okay. And he had a, uh, he had a, um, a Bruegel print in his window. Okay. And I think it was the, you know, the, the wedding, the peasant wedding mm-hmm. picture. It's like a fabulous picture. And um, anyway, I, I was look. I always look at this, wow, that's great. <laughs> keep on going and uh, come back yeah 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 and uh so i said you know i think i'd like to try doing a a broigle yeah. you know <clears throat> so i did a picture of me and the boys and my 
two sons, the older, older two, sitting in the park where we used to go in, in mm-hmm. every afternoon after school. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole, you know, gang of uh, kids and the mothers and everything. And, and there was this, uh, this uh, older, retired, drunken actor who was like my best friend. Uh-huh. And uh, he was such a nut. And anyway, he, uh, he would, we'd be the two men. Okay. And everybody yep. else. I hear you. And they were very, yep. they, those ladies were so nice to me. They, you know, they, <laughs> they like kind of adopted me, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, anyhow, so I did this picture of the park that we sat in, and it's in our house. Um, and it was for a show. I knew this, the woman in, a woman in our building uh, used to, she was, she was a funny one. She's still alive. I mean, and I think she's still in that apartment. This is a long time, you know, like 45 years wow. when I first met her. And she put this, put on this show, and what is the name of it? Of the building. Uh, uh, something House, Westinghouse, or, and it was a building right in like, in like mm-hmm. on uh, Park Avenue and, uh, and uh, like 50th Street, something like that. And uh, she put on the show, so I did this picture for the show. And so it's like, uh, I think he had a four by eight. So I did a, I did a four by eight picture. Gotcha. Feet, you know. Yeah. And um, anyway, it was a lot harder to do than I thought. <laughs> but it's not, because I found out later, I mean, I was going to presume that, that the Bruegel pictures were bigger. They're not big. Yeah. They're, they're small. Yeah. I, saw, I saw one yeah. in real life. Yeah. And it was like, you know. Like, yeah. a, like a 24 by 30 yeah. type size. Well, yeah. I'm just amazed at some of the the larger work that you bring in here for us. Now, I have, I have a question for you. Yeah. You know, and may, maybe this is a silly one, and maybe there is no answer to it, but checkerboards yeah. are important to you. Well, that's getting back to the rug on the, in the front, okay. of the front of the, you know. And uh, I... Checkerboards I was, are big with you. Yeah, yeah, I love checkerboards. And that's one of those things where, and I do that, uh, you know, on a picture, I don't ever worry about, like, getting this thing right, you yeah. know? Yeah, And I'll just, I'll put them in and they'll be all different sizes, you yeah. know, too small yeah. over here, too big over there, yeah. you know? But when you, when you fill them all in and then you model it yeah. with, uh, you know, just, just give it, like, you know, sh- you know shadow on the, on the... Whatever. The right side. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> light coming from the left. You know, right, right, it's, right, it's right. very, it's not real light. You know? Right, not, right. You know, uh, but you do that, and the thing kind of takes on a life of its own. And strangely, it always looks right somehow. I know. You know? It's really amazing. Your work is really, really amazing. So what are you working on right now? Well, I'm doing a Minotaur, you know. Are you really? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, More know. kind of absurd, obscure well, surrealistic. You know, well, pieces. lately I've gotten very kind of fond of uh, uh, classical art, you know. No and then my art is not classical. I mean, those guys were, right. like, you know, right. fantastic. But, uh, but the theme is there, huh? Yeah, strangely, you know, uh, in high school I was like the world's worst Latin student. And, uh, and now I've gotten very interested in, in all the, you know, the Roman world and Roman civilization. Well, I can't wait then for your next series of things. Uh, well, and we'll have to talk again. Okay. But I want to thank you today for okay. being part of the Be Inspired podcast. And folks, you just have to see this guy's work. <laughs> it's 
fascinating. And like I said, Jim has earned so many awards here at Studio B and for our current exhibit, Who, What Inspires You, he was awarded Best in Show yeah. again. Yeah. Well, Once again, Jim, I thank you so much touched. for your support of the studio and yeah. of being a guest here on Be Inspired. And I look forward to seeing your Roman classical pieces <laughs> coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jane. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you for downloading this episode of the Be Inspired podcast. If you enjoyed the Be Inspired podcast, please subscribe to be notified of new episodes. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And we welcome you to suggest people, projects, and perceptions that inspire you. What the world needs now is inspiration. Contact me, Jane Stahl, at studiobbb.org or stop by Studio B. More information can be found in the episode notes. We are eager to meet you and learn what it is you love. This is the end of today's episode, and I hope you find your way today to be inspired.